Uh, we're continuing through the book of Matthew. I'm Pastor Matt. If this is your first time here, if you'd fill out a guest card for us um, so we can know you're here and send you some information um, and a card, we would love that. Uh, we're continuing through our journey through the book of Matthew. Uh, when we launched, uh, we said we're going to teach out of the book of Matthew. We're just going to start at the beginning and let God uh, teach us instead of us try to figure out what we're going to teach. And so we're going to teach Scripture, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And uh, we are going to, to speak truth in all of it. So uh, if you've got your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 8. Uh, last Saturday, I was out running some errands. And it was, one of those, it was a, a day where everyone in my family was in different parts of the world, it felt like. Um, I've got my oldest daughter in Canada. Um, Heather was at her parents picking up a, a, a couch. And Abby was at a friend's house. And I was at home and had to start Saturday by running errands and so I'm out running around, it starts raining, no big deal, right? And it uh, starts raining a little bit harder, I'm thinking, eh, we might get some storms. And so I turn on the radio in the car, and they're talking about weather and things moving through, and Heather was stuck at her parents' house because there was a line of thunderstorms from southwest Texas all the way up to the Metroplex. And so we're watching the radar, and she's got a couch that she's going to have in the back of a truck, and and uh, she's like, I, can't, I don't want to drive in the rain, and this couch is going to get wet. So she's watching the radar. I'm watching the radar and hoping she gets home because I'm like, I, I need my wife back. And so I'm out running errands, and uh, I end up at my father's barn because we were building some cabinets for the church. And uh, we're working away, and it just starts sprinkling, and then it starts raining harder and harder. And this is a metal barn, mind you. And it's at the point where it's raining so hard, it sounds like the static on a TV turned all the way up. You can't hear yourself think. I mean, it's just this loud noise. And we had the doors up on either side, but there was one noise that cut through all of the rain, and it was the tornado sirens. And I'm thinking, oh man, we're in a metal barn, pouring rain, and the tornado sirens are going off. I'm thinking, this is not going well for me today. Uh, remember the scene in Twister when they run into the shed and there's the sickles and the blades hanging over them? I'm looking around at all the sharp objects that could come flying through this barn. And here's what goes through my mind. God, if it's going to be today, let it be quick. I mean, <laughs> two by four through the chest, you know, just like that, you know, just taking me out. And I'm thinking this, this, I was freaking out a little bit. Storms, storms don't always freak me out, but um, we've been in some pretty bad ones as a family and uh, they kind of messed with our family a little bit. And so Abby's at her friend's house, and my phone is going off, and she's texting me, Dad, I'm scared. I mean, the, the, the radar, and she's got radar on her phone. Um, and so she's like, the radar went purple, and the tornado sirens are going on. And I'm, honestly, there's nothing I can do. And I'm freaking out a little bit. And inside, I'm like, okay, got to remain calm, got to remain calm. And I'm looking around for places we can duck and cover, you know, I'm watching, I'm watching the trees, I'm listening for the sound of a train, apparently that's what it's going to sound like if a tornado comes through, and uh, much like Saginaw all the time, if a tornado comes through Saginaw, it's going to be really slow, so those of you who live in Saginaw and endure, have to endure the trains get that, <laughs> it might stop right in the middle, you know, but, um, or the gates will come down and there's nothing, it's like, surprise! But I'm sitting there thinking, and, and, and honestly, I was making a joke like, God, if it's going to be quick. But I never prayed for God to calm the storm. And then what I realized, what I was really praying is, God, give me calm, give me peace. 
in this storm. And I was praying for Abby because I knew she was, she was a little freaked out by the storm. God, give Abby peace. God, give Heather peace because I know she wants to get home and she doesn't want to spend all day driving in the rain. And I started praying for peace in the storm instead of for God to calm the storm. And I want to look at some scripture today. And uh, we're going to talk about Jesus' natural authority over nature, but over the storms. And so I'm going to do something that you will almost never see me do in our teaching. Um, I'm going to give you an acrostic. And an acrostic is where each letter of the word stands for something. And so this is a rare moment in Marine Creek history because it's just not something I do. You can make fun of me for doing it or not doing it. However, we'll just have fun with it. But go to Matthew chapter 8 and we're going to look at verse 23. And uh, I'm going to go there now. I forgot to mark it, so table of contents can be your friend here. Matthew chapter 8. Okay, we're going to go in verse 23. And what's happening up to this point, and to catch you up, Jesus had taught the Sermon on the Mount. He comes down and He heals people, and, and miracles are happening. Disciples are seeing life change. They're following Jesus just the touch of his hand and his word is, is healing people and lives are being transformed. I mean, people that, that cannot walk are getting up and walking. People who have, have been uh, stricken with leprosy are being healed instantly. People with fever are being healed. And so Jesus, his power is beginning to be displayed in the earth. And God is saying, this is my son. And people are beginning to see this power. And people are beginning to recognize that this power is from God. And so... The disciples follow him, and then last week we talked about the, the, the two men that showed up and said, Jesus, I'm with you, I'll follow you anywhere. And one didn't count the cost, and couldn't consider, and couldn't get his head reconciled around following Jesus, and the other one couldn't get his heart reconciled around following Jesus, and understanding the commitment involved. And what happens is, right after that interchange of conversation, Jesus and the disciples get in a boat, and... Remember this, the disciples that were with Jesus are fishermen. Okay, they have spent time on the water. They know the sea. They know how to handle a boat. We've got to have this kind of context going into this because we might think, do they not know what they're doing? So let's read and see what happens. Um, verse 23. Then he got in the boat, into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But, just, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Now, when I told you, when I started reading Scripture in 2001... I wanted to understand and read Scripture for the context and what's really going on. Now, I read this pretty calm, but can you imagine the scene? You have these fishermen getting in a boat with Jesus. Uh, there's at least 13 of them in the boat. We don't know how many. There's at least 13. So it has to be a sizable boat. I mean, we're not talking a little rowboat or a two-man canoe. We're not talking about some, something small. There's got to be something of substance to this ship. And so they climb in. And Jesus is tired. I mean, Jesus is fully God, but he's also fully man. 
And as man, he experiences the, the human emotion, and physically, he's limited by the man, our, our man's physical limitations. And he had been preaching, he had been interacting with people, and he was tired. You know, kind of like when you interact with people all day at work, and you come home, and you're just like, I have no more words. I'm done. And, and us guys hit that wall sooner. And, but we run out of words. We run out of steam. And so Jesus climbs in the boat, he goes down, and he goes to sleep. And the disciples, you know, are going, going, you know, they're just sailing along. Things are normal. And all of a sudden, a storm comes up. Now, they're on the Sea of Galilee, and understand the, the setting in this. The Sea of Galilee um, is, is surrounded by mountains and hills, and it's about 600 feet below sea level. So you have the, the, the terrain, and the sea is actually below sea level. And there would be storms that come up all the time. Uh, scientists would call them microbursts because the way the winds would come through the canyons and through the valleys and over the hills, and they would just hit and cause these microburst storms. And they could be very violent storms, much like the ones that we can see sometimes in North Texas. Just all of a sudden it's sunny and then boom, it's tornado sirens and rain and, and freaking out and praying, God help me, and if it's going to be today, let it be quick. Um, and so the disciples, they get scared. Now, these are fishermen. I don't know if you watch Deadliest Catch. I watch Deadliest Catch. Love the show. These guys know some storms. I mean, they're out. Their calm seas are things that I wouldn't even want to be on, honestly. You know, if it's, if it's not like a lake and glass, I really don't have a desire to be out on the lake, much less the ocean or a sea. You know, if I can't touch the bottom, there's a little bit of freak factor going on, you know. If the boat tips, I just want to be able to stand up and go, okay, I'll walk to shore. Not happening in this case. These guys were a little afraid. And they began to get terrified because Scripture says the waves were overtaking the boat. So the water was coming into the boat. And so the storm has to be violent enough that it's causing these fishermen to freak out a little bit. And they look over and Jesus is sleeping. And I don't know which disciple made the call. but like, we got to wake Jesus up, man. This is not right. I mean, Jesus, we, we, remember he, like the guy with leprosy, he's, he touched him and he was healed. I mean, he's sleeping, so maybe if we wake him up, he'll take care of things. And I don't know how they woke him up, honestly. I know they, they went to Jesus and said, you got to get up, man. You've you got to save us. We're going to drown. I used to wake my mom up on Saturday mornings that, like this. I would get real close to the bed, and I would stare into her face. She'd be sleeping, and I'd just kind of look. I don't know if your kids have ever done this to you, but as a parent, it's honestly, it's pretty freaky. You just feel the eyes, and my mother would do this. <gasps> she would just wake up. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know if Matthew or, or John or James were like staring at Jesus going, I don't know if I want to wake him up, man. He's kind of tired, guys. If he can sleep through this, come on. So they wake him up, and, and I'm sure it wasn't a very calm exchange of conversation because remember the storm's going off so it's going to be loud and so you're automatically going to be yelling you know they probably jesus wake up stop yelling what what well they wake him up and jesus says how can you have such little faith i mean what what's going on in your head that you cannot have this faith and he gets up and i don't know if he was mad at the disciples or showing his power but he says be still stop and I think the wind, was, when the waves stopped, I think the disciples thought he was talking to them. Like, oh, you woke him up, Peter's fault. And the wind and the waves obey him. And the disciples look at each other. And, and honestly, this is why 
why we can't follow Jesus for the things he does, but we follow him for who he is, because they look at each other and go, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? Now, had they not seen the miracles Jesus had done? Had they not just heard the message Jesus taught? I mean, even up until this point, if, if our faith could grow based on miracles and the things that we see Jesus do, these men should have faith that could move mountains. But their faith and our faith has to be rooted and grounded in the power of who Jesus is, not what he does in our life. And what I love about Matthew is he included this in his narrative because there's something that we can take away here. There's truth, and this is a, this is a great teachable moment because we expect God to do giant things in our life and to take care of our issues And then we go, what kind of God is this? And it does nothing for our faith, honestly. And so our faith has to be based on who He is, not what He does. I've said this before, miracles follow the teaching. The teaching doesn't follow the miracles. And so this is a beautiful teachable moment. And so I started thinking, how do we teach this? How do we get around and wrap ourselves in this passage? And how do we communicate what, what God is doing here and what He wants to do today? Because when we study Scripture, we have to first understand it was, how it was applied and written to the people who originally heard it. And then there's a bridge that we have to cross because the Bible is a living, breathing document that is true for all generations. So what do we take out of this? And I'm sitting in my office thinking, okay, tracking with this. What do we do? Okay, let's, let's put ourselves in the disciples' situation. Um, let's, let's understand what's going on. Okay, I'm in a boat. Uh, I, I, the storms are going on. And I'm trying to take in this whole scene. And the storm is raging. The boat's being rocked back and forth. The, the, the water, the salt water's coming in and getting in your face and your eyes and you can't see. And it's probably very dark because all the, all the light is clouded out by the storm. Probably the only light that you see is the lightning. And that brings its, its own scariness to it. And, and so you have all of this going on. And then you look over and Jesus is asleep. And the, the question is, how can, how can he rest? How can God rest in a time like this? I mean, this is when everything is coming together. And, and you choose to go to sleep, Jesus. But I think Jesus is teaching us something very important here. I think Jesus is teaching us that in the storms, we can have rest. Now, the storm, some, some people think that the storm was caused um, by Satan. I don't think Satan has the power to create Maybe Satan went to God and said, hey, just like he did Job, like, hey, let me have a shot at Jesus here. I mean, Jesus had gone into the wilderness and Satan had tempted Jesus. So this storm could be brought on by the enemy. There could be a a satanic or or demonic power behind this storm. Some scholars believe that because of how much it scared the disciples who had spent their life on the sea, on on the ocean, had seen storms all of their life. And if they lived around this region, they'd seen storms on the Sea of Galilee. I mean, it's not as though they've seen, you know, a few rainstorms in another region of the world, and now they're experiencing this. You know, some scholars think the storm was caused by God to show Jesus' power, so God's setting, he's setting it up so Jesus can, can teach his disciples. You know, and sometimes, just understand this, sometimes storms just happen. 
that God's not going to say, I'm going to create a teachable moment here for Jesus and the disciples, or I'm going to let the devil have a smack at you. But sometimes the way God has created the world and created things to happen, storms can just come up. But we can have rest in these storms. I mean, Jesus went to sleep. It's not that he didn't care, but he was resting. And so that's my acrostic, is in the storms of our life, how can we have rest? And so we're going to go through our points. And, and the reason I decided to do this is because all of us face trials. All of us face storms. All of us face rough sailing in life. And the reason I decided to do this is, is this will be easy for us to remember that when the waves start coming over the boat and, and the skies get dark and life starts getting very difficult, that we can remember rest. And regardless of how the storms come up, when you look at the storms that we face in life, I mean, there are storms that, that we cause. I mean, there are uh, words that I can say in my marriage there are words that I can say in my, my relationships with other people that are going to create a storm. I promise you. There are things that other people cause that create storms in my life. And so sometimes I have no control over what, what happens to me, and sometimes I do have control. But regardless, there are times I will find myself in the middle of the sea with waves and the wind just crashing and beating me down. And I've got to remember that, that just as Jesus did, I can rest. And so the first thing that we have to do when we think about resting is we have to recognize the presence of Jesus. I guess the first question that, that you would have to ask in this, is Jesus even in the boat with you? I mean, the disciples had Jesus in the boat, and he was sleeping. And there came the point when the wind got so intense and the storm got so intense that they knew he was there, but then they went and really pulled his presence into the boat. Not just sleeping, but woke him up. You remember the game uh, Lifeboat? You know, where, where you, I think it's you, a doctor, a lawyer, um, a mother... Um, and uh, maybe a, a carpenter will say. And the boat doesn't have enough capacity to hold all of you, and so you have to decide who gets thrown over. And so you start playing the game. Well, you don't want to throw the doctor over because if we get sick, he can, he can help us. Well, you don't want to throw the, the mother over because um, we need a mother. We need, we need that caring, that nurturing. We don't want to throw the carpenter over because... We're going to get to an island, hopefully at some point, and maybe he can take the wood and start to build, build us huts and, and start to build us shelter. Um, some people, are, they're like, oh, just a lawyer. Throw the lawyer over. I know some great lawyers. You know, you might come to an island that is inhabited by people that you need some negotiation for land. And so you start playing this game. Who do we throw over? And too many times in life as, as Christians and as people who follow Jesus, we get very quick to throw Jesus over. Because when the boat starts taking on water, the boat's going to start sinking. And you've got to get some weight off of that boat. When Paul was in some storms in his life, when they were being shipwrecked and the, and the, the boat was, being, was beaten and battered by storms, God gave Paul the instruction. And Paul said, throw all the cargo over. It lightens the ship. It gets the ship up in the water. 
And so if there's rocks, and it might, the, the, the boat can get pushed into shallow water. So a, a natural response is to start lightening the load. Too many times we, we throw Jesus out. We're like, he's sleeping. <laughs> By the time he wakes up, he won't know. But the reality is, is we go through life, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll invite Jesus into the boat, but when it gets tough, if we think he's sleeping or he's not acting or behaving the way we want him to, he's gone. And that's the difference. I think we read scripture that says that you will be my God. Too many of us want God to be our God, like we want him in our pocket so we can control him. So we can get what we want out of God. So when storms come up, you know, we can, we can say, okay, God, take care of this one. God, take care of this one. God, while you're doing this, you know, I need some of this. God, can you help me here? Finances are a little tight. God, can you, can you take care of this? I'm not feeling real well. Got a busy day tomorrow. Can you heal me? I mean, we just start doing, doing these things. And God's like, this is not what our relationship is based on. And so we've got to recognize the presence of Jesus in our life. And he made this promise to us in Hebrews 13, 5. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. There are times in, your, in our, my life, and I know in your life, when you feel like you're, you're isolated, that you are the only one facing something. And Jesus is saying, I'm right here with you. We don't follow Jesus knowing Jesus has not faced anything. We follow Jesus knowing that he has faced everything. And he's faced it and overcome it. So is Jesus in the boat with you. Um, The next thing is engage through prayer. It's one thing to have Jesus in the boat. And see, the disciples just didn't sit back and go, well, Jesus is in the boat, so I guess we're going to be all right. I mean, he's sleeping in a corner, but he's in the boat. You know, it wasn't that the boat would rock and get hit. Somebody go check on Jesus. (laughs) Make sure he's still in the boat because, you know, I don't know, like the cartoons where they hit a bump and the guy falls out. You make sure Jesus doesn't fall out. Why doesn't somebody go strap Jesus into the boat? No, the disciples went and they engaged him. I mean, they got down in his face. They were staring. He wakes up. Jesus, you know, you've got to, I need you. Look, look what's going on. I mean, he's God, remember? Fully God, fully man. He knows what's going on. I wonder if he's dreaming about what's going on. He knows exactly what's going on. But the disciples told him what's going on. And the disciples shared with him their fear. They shared with him what was going on in, inside, the internal struggle. And we've got to engage Jesus through prayer. We've got to say, Jesus, this is what is going on. This is the storm that's hitting me. And this is how I'm feeling. He's God. He knows it, but he wants to hear it. He wants an interaction and a communication with his kids. He's not an absent father that says, I don't need to hear about that. He wants to hear about that. He has a desire to hear about that. We've got to, get, we've got to step up our prayer life. And, and, and we've got to pray, listen to this, not as a last resort, but as a first response. I've been in the hospitals with, with people, and I'll go visit them and and the comment is this, well, I guess all we can do is pray. Man, if that's how you're going to engage Jesus through prayer, I mean, Scripture tells us to come boldly before the throne because we have a high priest who's, who's faced everything 
victoriously. That's not boldly. That's like, Jesus, I mean, there's a storm going on. And I'd really like it if you'd help me. Uh-uh. We engage our Father. Dad, help me. Dad, I need your, your presence here. I need you here. The disciples didn't stop before they woke Jesus up and go, I don't think I should wake him up because I don't really know how to pray. I don't really know how to talk to God. I struggle with talking to God, so I don't think I should wake him up. Mm-mm. Wave hits somebody in the face. Move! God! Jesus! Come on! There are times in our life where we just call out, God, I need you. God, this is what's going on. Talking to Jesus, talking and praying is not an art. It's not like songwriting. It's us opening an honest communication with our Father. And the next thing we've got to do is seek more faith. When Jesus woke up, he said, Oh, you of little faith. And Jesus would say this to the disciples often. It's, it's literally translated, little faiths. He's like, you're, you're little faiths. He's like, it's, it's like us talking to kids. Like last night, there were a lot of little Spider-Men or Spider-Mans. How would you say that? Spider-Mans or Spider-Men or Spider-Mens? I don't know. There were Supermens, Supermans. <laughs> but you walk out, that's a cute little Superman. I saw Superman on the slide last night catch air. And my first response was, oh, please get up. Please get up. Okay, he's up. Insurance. But it's like us going, that's a cute little Superman. That's a cute little Spider-Man. What Jesus is saying is, man, you're just, the power's just not there yet. But he believes in us that the power can be there. And so how do we get faith? In Romans 10, 17, um, it's very clear how we get faith. It says, consequently, faith comes by hearing the message and the message through Christ. Our faith strengthens and grows as we spend time in the Word, as we draw close to God, as we, as we study how Jesus reacts in a boat situation. When we get together like this and, and we, we talk through, through Jesus and we study Scripture and we try to gain an understanding Our faith grows. And then we ask for it. God, give me more faith. The only way we believe and have faith to believe God and to trust God is He gives it to us. And we have to ask Him for that faith. Now, if you're in a situation where you think Jesus is going to say to you, Oh, you have little faith. Then ask Him for more faith. But let let me challenge you with this. And don't not pray for faith because of what I'm about to say. But when you ask for faith, God's going to give it to you, but He's going to exercise it. He's going to stretch it. He's going to put you in situations where you're going to see how big your faith is. God knows how big your faith is. God doesn't say, I'm going to let you go through this so so I can see how big your faith is. God knows. He gave it to us. When we ask for more faith, He's going to put us and allow us to go into situations or even protect us from certain situations so that we can see where our faith is, so that it's strengthened and it's exercised, it's stretched, it's pushed to the limits. And just like kids, we're supposed to have childish faith. What does a kid do when they push it to the limit? They go farther. 
The Superman that caught air? I know whose kid it was. <laughs> you got a good boy, Doug. <laughs> the next time, farther. I think I can make it three quarters of the way down the side. Capes flying. In. <laughs> For that brief split second in time, I think he was singing, Give me one moment in time. <laughs> okay. When Peter walked on the water in Matthew 14, I'm not going to get ahead in our teaching, but, but he asked Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come out there. He's saying, give me the faith to stand where you stand. And when he gets out there and it's tested and the wind starts hitting him and the waves, he starts sinking. What does he do? He reaches out. Jesus grabs him. And it's on the faith of Jesus that he's able to finish the walk on the water. We've got to seek more faith. We ask for it. God, give me more faith. And he's going to put you in situations where it grows. And then the last thing is take comfort in God's peace. It's the peace of God. In Philippians 4, it says the peace of God which transcends all understanding. It's that peace. It's that peace that, that, that Paul writes, Be anxious for nothing but in everything through prayer and thanksgiving. Present your request to God. And the God of all peace and the peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds. It's that kind of peace that Jesus can can lay down in the storm and rest. That when everyone around him is freaking out, that, that they're stressed out, they're strung out, they don't know how to react, they don't know what to do. It's the peace of God that allows them to even get more energy in a tough time. And when we take comfort in the peace of God, it doesn't mean He's going to calm our storms. There are storms that, yes, Jesus will stand up and He'll say, peace, be still. But then there's other storms that He's going to let rage on. But here's the beauty. The power of the Holy Spirit will calm us. I would much rather have that power at work in my life then when when something comes up whether i cause it and and here's just something for for thought if if a lot of the storms in our relationships and in our life and in our families are caused by us and we can just say god can you calm this storm then what are we going to do we're going to get in a habit of continuing to cause storms And we're going to become very lax about how we engage with people and respond and interact with the people around us. And we won't care if we cause a storm because God's power will calm that. So I believe I can go say what I want to everybody. I can be as mean and rude and rough and harsh as I I desire to be. And I can hurt feelings. I can leave this path of destruction. But I know God's going to calm the storm. And God says it doesn't work that way. When the peace of God is at work in our life, then we're more considerate about, about what kind of path of destruction we're going to leave before we even hit the ground. And when we get into a storm, when someone's words start to create that havoc in our life, or that relationship creates the havoc in my life, and I can do nothing about it, I can be accountable for me. I can, I can be accountable for how I respond, how I react, 
and I can react and respond with the peace of God that gives me the ability to rest. And what does rest do? It re-energizes us. And so it gives us even more energy to endure the storm. And so God is not going to calm the storms in your life sometimes. There are storms that God says, you've got the faith, you've got the strength, you've got the peace, you've got the ability, endure it. Because you are going to be so much stronger through this. And here's what I love about the redemptive aspect of God and His leading in our life. Is when we endure a storm, we can go back and be with someone in their storm. And we can be the peace of God in the world that's raging around them. It's a me too moment. It's someone in the office that confides in you about the situation they're facing. And God says, you remember that storm that I led you through? There it is. You get in the boat with this person. They need my presence through this storm. And there's times they're going to be white-knuckled in their faith. There's times they're going to be holding on and screaming. But you know what? You have the peace that passes understanding. Live it. Give it. And let God work His redemption through the storms in our life. So here's my challenge. I know all of us have stuff going on. There's stress in my life and and it affects all areas. It affects my sleep. It affects how how I interact with my family, how I interact with my friends. There are storms going on in my life that are tough. And every one of us have something going on. But here's my challenge this week. I want you to rest assured. Rest assured that God's power is at work. That when you go through, when you rest, when you recognize the presence of Jesus, when you engage with prayer, when you seek more faith, and when you take comfort in His peace, you can get through the storm. And you will be much stronger and smarter in how to handle the next storm. So my challenge is rest assured. And, and honestly, if you don't have Jesus in the boat with you, invite him in. I mean, you don't have to build the boat. You don't have to do anything but invite him in. And let his peace begin to transform us. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you so much that your power is at work all around us. That even seemingly, God, when we think you're sleeping, you're working more and harder than we could ever imagine. And God, we sit here as, as a body this morning and as a, as a family, as, as your church. And there's some waves hitting over the boat. God, there's some turbulent waters that we're, that we're on. And we ask for your peace. We know you're here with us. Your word tells us where two or three are gathered in your name, you are there. And Father, we are gathered in your name. Our sole purpose is to love you, to bring you glory, to 
to spend time in your word so that our faith is grown. And as we, we talk to you, we just share our hearts. And Father, instead of my words leading our community, I just want to give us a few minutes so that individually and in our hearts, that our heart can engage with yours and tell you what storms are going on in life. God, all of us have storms. All of us have turbulence and unrest. You told us that if we have faith even as small as a mustard seed that mountains will move. Would you give us faith? Would you give us faith as a mustard seed? And we know that as you give us faith, your word is clear that you have given us the full measure of faith. That we act responsibly. That we are good stewards of the faith that you give us. And that as we go through situations and, and things in life, whether they're good or, or, or hard, that our faith is, is evident and it is strengthened and grown not for our purpose but for yours, God. And we thank you for your peace. We thank you that when, when things are tough, you tell us to think on things that are holy, noble and pure and praiseworthy. And you will guard our hearts and you will bring us peace. You tell us that in everything not to worry and to tell you what's going on in life and present our request to you and give you thanks and the peace that passes any understanding that we could ever muster moves in our life. We need your peace, Father. We need your peace in our marriages, in our families, in our jobs, in our homes, in our community. Father, we desire your peace. We need godly rest. Give us a spiritual rest that prepares us for what life you have designed for us. Jesus, we invite you into our life. Father, for anyone in here that has has never placed their faith, their hope, their trust, their life in Jesus, that maybe this morning they've asked for the faith to believe. They've asked for the faith to give back to you. Would you also give them the courage just to say, Jesus, I need you in my life. I need your power and authority at work to guide my life. Forgive me for trying to do it on my own.
Father, we love you. We thank you for calm waters. We thank you for storms. We don't invite them or ask them into our life, but we thank you that you are God in all situations. We ask for your blessing this week over our families, over our kids and jobs. We love you so much, and it is in the name that is above all names. It's the name of Jesus that we pray this.